I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is officially pumpkin spice latte season. Watch out. I don't know. Isn't it like a holiday for white people? I mean, I was going to say it's supposedly for the basic white girl. Which I definitely am not that person. It sounds you know what? right up your alley. By the way, I've never been into pumpkin spice I lattes. I'm not into the sugary pu- drinks. You do eat pumpkin pie, though, which is I, gross. I, I will have a pumpkin pie here and there, okay? <laughs> With some whipped cream. Pump- and that it's is yummy. not vegan. That is the first thing. Vegan whipped cream. There is vegan whipped cream, The pumpkin the pie is not vegan. You know what? I, I let go for a few things in life. <laughs> I'm allowed to indulge. YOLO. But today, I did a taste test of all the fall menu items for Starbucks. They basically like all taste the same and they all cost $6. It's basically a meal. Okay. It's like diabetes in a cup. I so mean, much sugar in these drinks. That's what makes them good. I don't know. I mean, it was a lot to handle. And I mean, this is their top sellers. I mean, people spend so much money on these drinks. Well, if we keep talking about them, I'm going to have to start charging them. Let's not say the word Starbucks again. Yeah, well, you just did. Damn it. <laughs> well, let us, know, let us know if you're into any of those Starbucks drinks. Don't, oh, I just actually, said it again. I don't care. I don't actually don't let us know. Producer Vanessa's into it. Do you have any favorites, Producer Vanessa? I have to turn our mic on. Oh, you're oh. giving me extra work. Yeah, I'm sorry. Honestly, guys, do not be oh. haters of the pumpkin spice because it's actually pretty good. I've had it. I don't like it. It's, it's like gross. a dessert. Do you, like, do you have I only like one candy. of them once in a while? It's not like a weekly or no. daily drink. No, I, I don't make money like that. Ah! Well, if you did, even. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> there you go. Everything My has goodness. to come down to that. <laughs> anyway, we have a lot coming up. What you need to know about ivermectin, you know, the horse medicine being pushed. We're yeah. breaking it down. We're going to debunk it here on the show. She is interested in it, actually. I mean, I'm curious. We keep seeing it on social media. I want to get down to what it all means. 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. And um, also, one of the stars of The View is reflecting on how she stayed on the show so long. That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki shut down a male reporter who asked why President Biden supports abortion against his Catholic faith. Why does the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. Why does the president, who does he believe then, should look out for the unborn child? 
he believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant, but for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. The president believes their rights should be respected. Go ahead. I think we got to move on. I can't. I mean, why would he even ask that question? Because it's like the go-to thing. Uh, Supreme Court... It- they uh, they are allowing the Texas law that bans most abortions to remain in force. This vote came late last night, and they're basically saying it's okay to strip most women of the right to an abortion in the state. The court voted five to four to deny an emergency appeal from abortion providers and others that sought to block enforcement of the law that went into, a, into effect yesterday. The justices also suggested that their order likely isn't the last word on whether the law can stand because other challenges might be brought up. Texas law was signed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott in May. It prohibits abortions once medical professions can detect cardiac activity. That's usually around six weeks. And guess what? Before many women even know that they're pregnant. Really unfortunate. And finally, following the U.S. Supreme Court's block of a nationwide eviction moratorium last week, a new survey has found that nearly half of LGBT renters who are behind on their rent are afraid that they'll be evicted within the next two months. The survey conducted by the Williams Institute showed that 19% of LGBT respondents were behind on rent payments. Of those, 47% said that they feared being evicted and basically said that they would be evicted probably by Thanksgiving. Wow. Yeah. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Joy Behar, uh, she's one of my faves from The View. Um, She's reflecting on the legacy of the show and how she's kept her job for so long. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. She said this, well, I've gotten in trouble a few times on the show. Uh, I've had to apologize, which I'm happy to do in order to save mine and everyone else's job. I don't care. Even if I don't mean it, I'll do it. Even if I look like I'm in a hostage takeover, I'll still do it because if you don't do it, you'll lose your job and everyone else's. So do you think that's the right approach when it comes to apologizing? Like, just saying it even though you don't mean it. Well, yeah, I think you should always mean it. I think maybe she sees the bigger picture and she's like, someone's got to be maybe like the bigger person here. Maybe she's like, this is going to be a mess and I just want to move on from this. I mean, there could be that. Maybe she felt like the show was going to be over and someone needs to just do something about it. I don't know. I mean, I think there's been a lot of drama with uh, her and Megan. And and, I mean, over the years, probably a ton of other ladies who have crossed their paths. Um, And I I get what she means by like, just kind of, let's just move on. Yeah. Let's not keep this going. It's like so annoying. Um, But I also don't think... That is well, the perfect thing to do either. Yeah. Well, hopefully she's not like insincere. Like she's do- saying it and it doesn't mean she completely is just not believing it. I think you need to believe it to say it. And sometimes, you know, you have to put your ego aside. Right. That's very That's important, it. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, that's your team report for right now. But I, before we get out of here, I want to tell you all about Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency and it, how it's returning to the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. Channel Q wants to send you. Just go to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win two kit tickets to the show. A stay at the Park MGM Hotel. Round trip airfare for two. Plus $500 in spending cash. You will not want to miss 
this amazing residency live in Las Vegas. Just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win. And of course, if you don't win, tickets go on sale um, right now. And so check it out at Ticketmaster.com. That's your T-Report. Okay, well, as New York deals with the devastation from flash floods, what the future of the city could look like as the climate changes, that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Deadly flash floods in New York are showing just how vulnerable the infrastructure is to climate change. And joining us right now is Teak Root, climate and climate solutions reporter from The Washington Post. As we get into this, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I mean, the pictures and videos are just wild. Have we seen anything like this before happen there? Uh, in New York, I mean, I think there was uh, a lot of flooding during Sandy, but but this seems to be, um, you know, uh, the, the flash flooding and some of the other peripheral things seem, seem to be, um, you know, quite amazing. Yeah, and I think this moment last night, because it, it one, it, it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere and it was very unexpected, but it, it really put a spotlight on all things infrastructure from the subways to people's apartments to a little bit of everything. Do you think this is going to give New York, you know, moving forward, uh, more of a reason to fix that and be on top of that to prepare for moments like this? Yeah, so I, I was you know, talking with some of my colleagues over the Capitol Weather Gang, and they were explaining that the, the exceptional like rate of this um, this rain was 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 pretty um, pretty intense, and that climate change is uh, of course intensifying excessive rainfall. And what's happening in in urban areas with lots of concrete is when there's been previously rain, like there has been um, recently in the Northeast, the ground um, you know what what little uh, non-concreted ground there is is saturated and then the concrete just the water runs there's nowhere for it to go back into the ground and that's why you're getting some of the crazy um flooding you're seeing and uh you know i think it 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 increases the urgency for what experts call resiliency um which is how do we prepare and how do we adapt um for for what's you know almost certainly um you know still to come and, you know, whether that's building green infrastructure in cities to help plan for this sort of thing or, you know, in coastal areas, um, making sure your barrier islands um, act as a buffer from storms. Um, there's a lot of steps that communities around the country are taking, but, um, you know, it just uh, takes time and funding. Yeah, I was going to say, why wasn't the city more prepared? Because I feel like I have seen videos like kind of not re- well, reenactments even of if this did happen what it would look like and it has in a way been predicted so is it just that we're dealing with the realities of it when it's happening now unfortunately yeah i mean i think that's you know exactly right and i think you know as much as you uh can predict this stuff um you know maybe maybe it takes events like this for um, you know, funding to come through or the, the impetus to actually make it happen at the, at the speed um, uh, that it maybe um, that maybe people would want to see it come through it. Right. And I guess for a lot of people, especially, I mean, conservatives or Republican, well, they're the same people, but it's oftentimes they deny climate change. <laughs> and I wonder are we going to continue to see that, especially when the weather and these hurricane seasons are, it feels like they're getting worse and worse. I mean, there was a tornado somewhere else. It's just like wherever we're going, the climate is like changing and it's not going well. It's like mother nature's telling us to get it together. 
Yeah, I mean, climate change is um, unprecedented and, uh, you know, unanimous among scientists. So, you know, I think, um, you know, I think what, whatever you happen to make of these storms or not, um, uh, climate change uh, is a fact. And, and, you know, that climate change is being reflected in, in some legislation, the reconciliation bill um, that is going through Congress, $3.5 trillion dollars does include, I think, nine or ten different points, um, although the details are still unclear. They do mention climate in a, in a number of areas or areas that could be relevant to climate. So um, it, it is on at least some political radars, uh, you know, speed and um, you know, extent to which uh, it, it gets moving is, is obviously an open-ended question. Do you have a sense of if the transportation will get back to normal in New York right now? Uh, I the, the things I've been seeing, uh, I haven't heard any um, updates on that front. I've, I've mainly getting updates on rising death tolls. And I think there was just a state trooper in Connecticut that was confirmed dead. I oh think New God. Jersey had its first ever tornado emergency. Um, so the news that I've um, been seeing so far has been, uh, you know, mostly on the um you know, recovery and disaster front um, and, and not so much on, uh, you know, when things will get uh, up and moving again. So I, I'm not exactly sure. You I, I, you might not know this, but I, I do have a question that I feel like ever since I'm seeing all the videos and stuff that's coming out of this, where does all that water go? Like, how do they get the water out? Like, I really, like, I know the drain systems are backed up and this may be like a very lowbrow question to ask, but hell, I need to know, where's the water going? Yeah, I mean, I'm not familiar with the, the, the systems exactly, but my, my understanding is that it either runs off um, on the concrete, which is, uh, you know, why you're seeing it and run and flood and, and you know, cut through roads um, or sidewalks or, or, or whatnot, or it has to go through the existing system. And if that existing system is backed up, the water stays or runs off, um, is, is my understanding of, of the um of it broadly. Yeah. In this article in CNBC, they said they have underwater tunnels that are able to pump and pumping capacity really did very well. But some of the higher elevation areas, flash flooding comes from the overall drains uh, and sewers, as you said, at the street level. So, yeah, it seems like a mess. And we really hope that this finishes more soon uh, and that people are OK because these deaths that are increasing there is just horrible. Tikrut, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tikrut, again, is the climate and climate solutions reporter at The Washington Post. Now coming up on the show, as more viral moments are captured of unruly passengers, what flight attendants really think about it all. And we have a spokesperson for the Association of Flight Attendants joining us for that right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You've seen the videos and stories we've even reported about them. People on flights doing crazy things, having to be duct taped to their seats. But what do flight attendants think about all of this? Well, Taylor Garland joins us right now, who's a spokesperson for the Association of Flight Attendants. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I mean, what's the overall sentiment right now from those on the job? Yeah, well, like you've said, you've seen the videos, you've heard the stories, you've seen the numbers from the FAA. Uh, things up in the sky aren't so friendly this summer. And on top of the last 18 months of pandemic issues and, you know, job insecurity due to the pandemic, flight attendants are tired. They're tired, definitely. Are flight attendants feeling like these airlines are protecting them enough? 
So what we've really called on is um, the government and airlines to do more. We've seen the FAA step up, it's the Federal Aviation Administration step up and start finding passengers much quicker. But we also need the DOJ, um, the Department of Justice, to actually take action on some of these issues. I think everyone has seen the the video of the Southwest flight attendant who was punched in the face and lost two of her teeth. And finally, the DOJ, it was announced today that they're taking action on it. But some of these instances are extremely physical, um, if not mentally and emotionally damaging to flight attendants. And so we need the DOJ to take quicker action. And yeah, the airlines need to be supporting uh, flight attendants and gate agents much more than they are. What does the Association of Flight Attendants do? Like, how, do how do you all work? So we are the union. We are the largest flight attendant union in the country. So we represent flight attendants at 17 airlines. Most people would recognize the airline names like United, Alaska, Hawaiian, Spirit Frontier. So we represent flight attendants at all those airlines. And we've worked directly to negotiate some things with management to improve. But one thing we found in a survey of flight attendants from across the industry recently is that 71% of the time when flight attendants report one of these issues on board, they're not getting follow-up from management or the government. So there could be action taken on a particular passenger, but flight attendants aren't being made aware. Wow. And I mean, the the moments that I'm thinking of is even where pa- uh, the flight attendants have to kind of basically have like a martial arts training of some sorts. You know, yeah. I, it, it sucks that you all have to go through that. It, is it now kind of a part of the process to become a flight attendant to now be prepared to know how to handle unruly, uh, you know, passengers? Yeah. So after September 11th, um, obviously our job changed forever. And one of the things was being the last line of defense and aviation security. So flight attendants are trained every year on de-escalation skills and things like that. One thing our union has pushed for and is not quite uh, there yet is mandatory self-defense training. Uh, TSA just restarted the classes in July and flight attendants are signing up in droves because of the situation on board. But, you know, the other thing we say is we've all had to adapt to a lot of new normals, uh, wearing masks, you know, keeping more socially distant, different changes we've all had to make uh, to end this pandemic. But one thing that we are not willing to accept these days is this level of unruly passengers. It cannot stand. And so what we're asking fellow passengers to do is to come with a sense of patience and kindness If you see something that you think is wrong, tell the flight attendants and then wait for the flight attendant instructions. Because, you know, one thing we've seen is people get in fights with each other. And even though they think they're helping, um, a lot of times it escalates the situation even further. Do you see the industry like less people wanting to be flight attendants because of all of this? Do you think it'll be hard to get people to work for airlines in the future? You know, um, I definitely think people are thinking, uh, taking a pause and thinking about it. But that said, the flight attendant career is incredibly desirable, uh, much to the credit of our union's work for making this a career. You know, back in the 50s, you could be fired um, by the age of 32 or if you got married or if you had a baby. Um, so we made this into a career and there's, there's still something magical about flying. And so we just want to work to get the skies to be a bit calmer these days.
Yeah, and I, I can't help but think about uh, the flight attendants of color, especially because oftentimes they're not only going through the craziness with uh, from unruly passengers, but oftentimes they're being called slurs. And so I wonder how are you all kind of protecting them in that way and giving them the space to feel heard and seen. Right. You hit it on the head there. Um, flight attendants of color or flight attendants of different sexual orientation or gender identity are facing a multitude of uh, issues when they confront unruly passengers. One thing that we found in our survey of flight attendants last month is that 61% of the respondents reported that the disruptive passengers or unruly passengers used racist sexist or homophobic slurs during the incidents. So uh, one thing that we are doing is offering mental health support. Our uh, union offers an, a confidential resource, and we've seen flight attendants utilize that much more than in years past um, over, over the course of this pandemic. So we're making sure that those uh, mental health and emotional needs are being met, but also working with some of the airlines and things like that to make sure that it's clear to passengers that this type of behavior will not be tolerated. Definitely. Well, thank you for doing what you're doing. It's it's really sad to see the lack of kindness and humanity from people. Um, and so hopefully we all get better. That was Taylor Garland, a spokesperson for the Association of Flight Attendants. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Next up, there's a reason why you hate seeing people fidget. And it's a condition that has a name that's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Do you hate seeing someone fidget? Does it bother and eek you? Do you just Does it what? Eek. Like E-E-K. Like I feel eeked by it. Have you heard? Who uses that word? <laughs> Producer Vanessa, do you use that eek word eek? You? Like that eeks me. Irks. Irks oh, you. Eeks. <laughs> what? No, sometimes I like to eek? make my own words. I'm like, I've you never. You said yesterday, Sh- Shira, you could create your own religion. Well, I could also create my own language. No, I, I didn't say that. I said you're going to join Scientology. <laughs> you said you were going to create your own religion. Well, it's whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. so it actually is a thing. You know, if you do not like seeing someone fidget, 
It's called something misokinesia, a hatred of movements. And a study actually found that people are sensitive to movements. Uh, they surveyed more than 4,000 people. One third felt sensitivities when they saw others fidget. And misokinesia research has been a scant according to this article, which I guess they haven't done a lot of research, but the condition can affect daily living. You know, I am a, I think I'm kind of like a fidgeter. Like my leg bounces and like, you know, but for me, I didn't know this was like a real thing. I know I for sure am a misophoniac. Like I hate misophonia is, is a strong dislike of ha- or hatred sounds. of certain sounds. Yes. So like hearing people eat, I hate that. Uh, hearing I, won't, people, I won't do the nose. Honestly, the hearing people right breathe, now. I hate that too. Or what um, about this? Anything that's like a- ASMR. I'm trying to ignore you. Anything that is like ASMR or anything like that, I just do not like sound. It's awful. Um, it's it's really it really like makes me feel like ah. But this. I don't know. I, I guess I just don't pay attention to people that much. So, be like watching them fidget. This actually does bother me. I'll notice when I'm talking to someone. And the thing is with me is I do, I, I'm a nail biter and I play with my fingers. And yeah. I try not to do it. But anyway, but I do notice when someone's shaking their leg or their foot. Mm-hmm. It bothers me so much. Why? My boyfriend does that, and I'm like, because it makes me, an- it's like an anxious tick for me. It feels like an anxious tick. And so it distracts me when I'm talking to someone because it makes me feel like. So do you make your boyfriend stop it? I'll just, I'll say, hey, is there something no, going you don't. on? You say stop. You say stop. She does not be like, hey, I, don't know. Do I you think I touch his leg. Something? I touch his leg, and you try to control I- him. <laughs> You know what? If you have a freaking foot bouncing back and forth on you, you know, I, I, I'm okay with things bouncing back and forth, but not in those types of moments. She's a controller, people. Oh, controller, see controller, baby. <laughs> we are all in each other's mirror. I know I'm a Leo. I'm oh, a, yes, I'm you a perfectionist. Are. Do you know I have so many Leo that. friends? Like, way too many Leo friends. I, know I don't that. know what that says about me. Anyway, are you a misokinesia person? <laughs> Let us know. Eek. At LGT Show. <laughs> next up, we'll tell you what pro b- baseball player has come out as gay. That's next on What's Training This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back and coming up. What it's like to have long haul COVID. That's in 30 minutes. And the community is coming together to support one another. Plus Lil Nas X's big announcement. That's in the T-Report in a moment with Ryan. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky shared news on a new study about COVID in children. In August 2021, the rate of hospitalization for children was nearly four times higher in states with the lowest overall vaccination coverage when compared to states with high overall vaccination coverage. There you go. So basically, uh, make sure that you support vaccines and get a vaccine. (laughs) I mean, I feel like they're just finding all the data to continue to encourage people to get vaccinated. Is it working? Maybe. Yes, they actually announced that the numbers have increased. And so that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. Uh, Now, the QAnon shaman has reached a plea deal with federal prosecutors, and his lawyer says, guess what? He doesn't want to be known as the QAnon shaman anymore. Stop it. (laughs) Jacob Chansley is his name. He entered the Capitol building in the chamber of the Senate during the January 6th attack. He was the one wearing the big thing on his head and, like, the 
animal furs and ta- he shirtless. Uh, and he has a plea hearing scheduled for Friday. In a press release, his lawyer said Chansley repudiates the Q moniker and no longer wants to be associated with Q. I mean, that's what's going. That's what he's going to be associated. Well, a little with. too mean, little, a little too it's late. Like his Wikipedia. You just search his name. You see it. It's like right there. He is this QAnon shaman. That is true. I mean, it's going to be top Google search for a long time. Even though I feel like using the word shaman is like awful for someone like him. Because isn't shaman like a actual, um, it's like a like a native kind of. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, it's like passed down from ancestors. Yeah. A lot it's of like people, a, it's I mean, like that's a sacred a whole other, thing. That's, there's a whole other conversation around that. Yeah. Supposedly, though, he's like. Uh, yeah, even though he doesn't want to be known as a shaman, even though I guess he has figured out, done shaman stuff. I don't even know. Yeah, let's move on. Let's celebrate someone, though, right now. Brian Ruby of the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes, who just came out as gay in a groundbreaking interview, making him the only active pro baseball player to ever come out. And guess what? He's also a country musician. He told USA Today Sports, I kept thinking about that little 14-year-old me who was scared because I'm a baseball player who loved country music. Those are worlds where people like me are told they can't belong. The Volcanoes is a minor league team based in Kaiser, Oregon, and Ruby acknowledged that he's not a hotshot prospect, but he still wanted to come out to make it easier for other professional athletes in the future. He said, I want to help create a world where future generations of baseball players don't have to sacrifice authenticity or who they really are to play the game they love. And does he, wait, sorry, does he mean prospect as like in if he's cute or not? No, hot out like for the big leagues. The oh, because I was going to make a comment leagues, yeah. about that because, yeah, he's not. Well, he said <laughs> he said that it was a struggle to be closeted for the last decade. So Which, yeah, we sure. congratulate him he's for speaking his truth and coming out. There's always someone for someone. Yes. And that was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news, right? Oh, my God. I'm so excited to talk about this story. Little Nas X is expecting. And the internet is talking about his big announcement. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um... People Magazine, they part- <laughs> they are, it's hilarious because they actually um, partnered with him on this. You know how they do those um, pregnancy announcements for celebrities and they do the whole photo shoots and, well, they did this for Little Nas X because in celebrations of his impending delivery of his baby, which is mm-hmm. his new album yes. on September 17th, uh, the musician did an over-the-top pregnancy shoot complete with a bump and flower crown. Um, Little Nas X told people exclusively that he came up with the idea to do the shoot after listening to Megan Thee Stallion's verse on his new song Dollar Sign Slime for the first time. He said, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I immediately called my stylist and she was like, wow, this all comes together. Your album, your baby. I was like, "Um, yeah, this is my baby, huh? As a joke, she was like, yeah, you should do a pregnancy shoot. And he was like, you know what? That's actually brilliant. So now we have this entire thing coming out and it's going to be amazing. Of course, um, people exclusively did this shoot. And I just think it's pretty iconic because, I mean, for the fact that they actually did this. So, wait, I have a question. What? James Charles did this once and he was canceled. That was my next thing. That, but people don't like him. People like Lil Nas X. So, this isn't uh, offensive? People don't like him. People like Lil Nas so X. So, if people like you, you can do it? Period. I'm just trying to get the, get it straight. Okay. I mean, that's it. I said, that's how I interpret it. It is. I thought the same thing. Beautiful and also I will strange. think pe- people did. I mean, there's a lot of homophobia around it, um, specifically around him. But I think because people know he trolls, 
Jay yeah, that's Charles, true. That is true. He does troll. He just his... did it out of nowhere, and no one really knows him besides of all the controversy. Lil Nas X doesn't really have any controversy, and people really like him because he's like really good at marketing. And, yeah, he's doing and trolling and yeah. doing the internet. He's making a statement. So that's what this is. It looks so real. Actually, it looks kind of gross it's because it's like weird. it's like on top of his abs. It looks the weird Strange. placement of it. Um, but that's your tea report. I got more information about how you can win two tickets into Lady Gaga's uh, jazz and piano Vegas residency coming up next hour. So stick around. Well, next up, are you more into someone if they're not on social media? Get ready. We're about to debate that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Do you find it weird when you meet someone who's not on social media, including if that's a person that's someone you want to date or a potential partner? Or is it is it a turn on? Do you find it attractive that someone's not on social media? Um, I don't think it really matters. I, I do... I kind of don't care if I'm being honest. Like, I don't care if they have a ton of followers. I don't care if they don't have a ton of followers. I, I'm i barely on social unless it's on Twitter. That's true. We know. How so I'm like, I kind of just don't care, you know? Yeah, I guess I've dated someone that was very into social. And then I'm also with someone who barely has a presence. Like, he does not care. I had to get my... I actually got my boyfriend to start an Instagram account, an updated one. Okay. Uh, Does he like it now? It's not like he likes it. He basically just does it for me. I think it's cute because I take a lot of cute pictures of him. You know him. the running theme about all the stories? How I just make my you boyfriend You just control <laughs> your boyfriend. Honestly, Chris, blink <laughs> Can twice. Can get him on the phone? Blink twice if you need help because I think you may need help. I just need you to call a hotline. No, but here's the thing. I, I think about this because um, I actually, I just was talking to a guy that I met on an app mm-hmm. and we were like, tech, like we were talking on the app for a minute and then he was like, do you want to exchange Instagrams? And because I do have a certain amount of following on Instagram, oh. I do get hesitant. Okay. Because I have uh, either been like hit up or somebody like finds out like I got a certain amount of followers on Instagram mm-hmm. and they'll either act weird or they'll see who I'm following and, and like are either they'll come from people that I've hung around and it's it's like weird yeah. it'll be it'll just it'll be it'll be weird they'll think that I'm something that I'm like oh okay so you think that I'm like they this huge this perception. thing and yeah it's this perception well this guy he I found out he was kind of being a little weird because actually he is oh uh, he has like three hundred thousand so followers. He, he actually he's actually bigger than me. <laughs> and I remember, like, I, I through our talking, I was like, why is he acting so like mysterious? Mm-hmm. And like, even at, like when we went to Instagram and we started DMing, he's still being mysterious and kind of like. And I'm like, D- you know, I don't care, right? Like, I'm not trying to figure out, like, uh, trying to like leech off of your success. Or anything. I got my like, you know, I don't care. It just feels weird, you know, being on the other side of those things. Yeah, now, so I kind of yeah, feel like you know. I wish. Um, that I may want someone who doesn't just care about anything social and just is kind of like a, a what? A, this might feel sound about like a regular a person. Dude. <laughs> I mean, that's what I feel about my boyfriend. This is the, the the other side of that is when you're searching someone. Maybe you do a little research and you see there's nothing online, and then you go, yeah. "Oh, what's up with this person?" He's a is killer, sketchy, dear a John vibes, right? And that's Scammer. actually what my best friend thought of my partner because there wasn't a lot online about him yeah. and because of what he does actually I mean, we is tons of time to scenes. find out 
About what? If he's a murderer. <laughs> he's going after the long plan. The long game. The long tail. He's getting, you know, he's making sure Shira gets a life insurance plan. <laughs> he has talked about life insurance. <laughs> But for him, for him, not for me. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> but here's oh the thing. So I, so I see both sides to it. I think that if someone's too into it and yeah. into themselves in that way, for me, it's a turn off. But if they have no existence, it is questionable. I don't know why. Are you the type of person where you go on a, like a date, the first date, and you like search everything I, about I ha- are you, So here's the thing. I do have a hard time not searching. I tend really? to Google. I Google. Chris, my boyfriend, said he actually didn't want to Google about me because he knew that I had a presence and he didn't want to have an idea of me before. And also, there was a lot about my ex-boyfriend online. And so he didn't want to see any of that. No, I get that, too, because I think that's... Now that I'm thinking about it, that's one of the things that I get hesitant over, especially because... Oftentimes, if I, like, I went on a date, and uh, I remember I asked him, like, what was your first impression? Like, me, like, walking up and, like, doing all of that. Like, I love to know that. I don't know why, but I just love to know. <laughs> and he told me, he was like, actually, he was like, I wasn't sure how you were going to be, because on your on social and through the clips that I've seen of you, you're, like, this big personality, and I just wasn't sure how you're going to, like, act mm, in real life. Yeah. And he was like, no, but you're actually, like, a lot chiller than I, I would have imagined. And it's, yeah. it's just really interesting how... How people look at you online and will have this whole kind of identity for you. And sometimes it's like negative. And oh, I yeah. mean, in my experiences, it's it can it can sometimes be negative because people can be like, well, he's hyper femme. I don't really like his foot. And and then like they don't realize that I'm just like, I really just be sitting on the couch just chilling. And yes, my social is basically a part of work. And so you kind of have to have that balance. But I it's like I just want someone who doesn't kind of care all together. Yeah, or who's willing like, to see that there's plumber. something else. Oh, Unless hey. now he's trying to be a famous plumber. There, are, I'm sure there are and those out there. he wants a whole brand. They talk about finding a niche. Yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing, Ryan. Maybe you just need to take more pictures of you on the couch or something. No. <laughs> My I place. I don't even want to. Like, I don't I don't even know. I just think social, I, I think it's more attractive now that I'm thinking about it and kind of formulating everything. I think it's more attractive if a, a guy it does either is it on social or doesn't really care. Uh, but I yeah. also want him to kind of understand that all the worlds. Oh, of course. I mean... I, I like, okay, here, my boyfriend, I'll ask him, because he has great advice about things yeah. and he gives me great notes. But I'll ask him something like, what do you think about this TikTok versus that? Or like this video versus that? Yeah. You know, and there, and the, if you know social media or content, it could be a little thing is different. But you're like, right. in your head, you're like, this is different. Yeah, yeah. So I go, well, what do you think? What do you like better? He's like, they're the same. No, <laughs> they're not the same. Well, he's also a straight man. But he's very visual and creative. I don't care. And I said to him, if you're going you're gonna to date me and have an opinion, you yeah. need to learn the difference between these two videos and give me some advice. Once again, Chris, please blink twice <laughs> if you need help. Oh, my God. Because Jesus, it, doesn't it sound, call us and let us know if it sounds like Chris is an abusive relationship. <laughs> or just slide into our DMs at LGT Show. One segment, we will get Chris okay. to call in. He has a radio voice, actually. Does he? Oh, yes. All right. Next up, the support groups for long-haul COVID and their continuing struggle with symptoms. That's next. 
is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. COVID long haulers are coming together to support one another as their symptoms continue. And joining us right now is Shamir Al-Smith, Baltimore long COVID advocate, public speaker, writer and consultant focusing on black patients in urban communities. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be to be with you today. So how much has your life changed in what you do since you got COVID because you have long COVID and you've been working to support others as well and advocate for change? Oh, my goodness. My life has changed so much um, drastically, if I could say. Um, This week, uh, you know, the school system in Baltimore City, you know, the students have returned back to school. And it's almost very, um, it's depressing and sad for me um, to know that I've, I've, I've I've done so much work to educate people about long COVID, but I can't do the very thing that I love and enjoy the most, which was teaching middle school students. So mm. um, my life has, has, has completely changed. And I know for a fact, it'll never be the same again. Um, my health is, has taken a nosedive in the last 18 months. Um, and I lost my vision and I lost, you know, my career, as I mentioned, I lost a lot of who I was before um, because of long COVID. Okay, so can you break down what exactly is long COVID? I know you're really good at educating, so please educate us. <laughs> yes, I'll do my best. You know, long COVID is a condition that develops um, after the initial uh, acute COVID infection. Um, and from what we understand now, because information is always changing, is that it is a chronic condition, which means that it, it can last anywhere between um from what we're finding three months until for me, 18 months, you know, I was one of the first waivers in the wave of people who contracted COVID and and is now living with long COVID. And so long COVID, we see it in so many different uh, comorbidities and additional conditions. But what we know is that it is chronic um, and we don't know how to make it stop. And we don't know officially how long it lasts and there is no treatment for it. Wow. That is well. So when you realized this was happening, you started your own support group. How did you find other people? Well, I didn't start my own support group. What I did was I started because I needed to I needed to understand as a black woman, right, how to educate myself on COVID and this new phenomenon, which was long COVID. So what I did was I joined a very important group um, called Body Politic. It was one of the first groups I joined. I needed the support. Um, I was afraid because I didn't want to be the only black woman in the group. But quickly I found out that they were some of the most supportive, loving, compassionate people, people who were experiencing what I was. They were people who couldn't walk, people who too lost their vision, people who had developed these uh, 
painful migraines um, and people whose lives like mine were completely devastated and changed. So um, I'm so honored to have been a part of the group and to still be a part of it and now a board member of it. So it's changed my life for the better. Wow, that's absolutely beautiful. And I don't, uh, if you don't mind me asking, I I do wonder, have you been vaccinated? Has that helped like you at any moment? Like, what does that look like when now that vaccinations are in the conversation? Absolutely. Yes, I have been vaccinated and because I've developed, you know, this chronic condition, which looks like to some doctors an autoimmune um, condition because of the initial infection. um, My doctors are uh, are suggesting that I have the booster shot. Um, There have been some ways in which the vaccine was helpful. Like I don't feel um, I don't feel deathly tired like I did before. Right. However, um, it did aggravate some things. So it's the vaccination, I believe, is still um, something that people should do. But there, for, for us long haulers, there are some symptom upticks that can happen as a result of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That is crazy. And, and how do you all connect? Is it digitally online? Have you all met in person? You know, most of us have not met. In, you know, in person, we still stay connected via uh, body politic, via Slack. You know, we st- we some of us have become really good friends. So we stay connected via FaceTime and Zoom and Google Meet. And, you know, we form these bonds on, on social media, Twitter and Instagram, where we we now feel like family. And so that's why I say that so- support groups for COVID are integral in people's uh possible recovery stories because we all need to feel connected to something and we all need to educate ourselves we were our first doctors you know yeah and i i guess for me i i i can't help but wonder how do you all keep misinformation out of these groups because oftentimes if they're just meeting online anybody could say their experience and people could be like yep that's that's the concrete truth well, that's a great question. And how we've done that is because we become a part of the, the conversation. Many of us uh, over 18 months ago became so uh, angered and frustrated and hurt by being dismissed by doctors that we started the long COVID uh, hashtag to express our experiences. So when we do see misinformation in support groups, we can say, uh, 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 this is actually what happened. Here's how we can combat that misinformation. Information. And we also, a lot of us, like I said, we had to be our own doctors. But now that doctors are starting to believe our stories, we now have medical evidence to back up and to support what we've known for so long. Wow. And you're doing work also with lawmakers. Tell us what you're wanting from those in politics right now. Yeah, you know, in April, um, I testified, I was the very first black woman to testify um, before Congress about the devastation that long COVID has caused. And for me, I live in Baltimore, which is an urban city, right? And so what we need is we need more educational programs about long COVID, not just COVID, but what can happen after the initial infection. Um, We also need you know, politicians to put their money where their mouths are. Many of us are constantly being uh, rejected by disability carriers. They won't give us money. They won't pay us what we are owed. A lot of us are poor. We're homeless. We are hungry, myself included. I mean, you know, I don't even know how I'm going to pay my car note and my car insurance next month because I'm still waiting for my uh, case to be determined. So we need we need money and we need health insurance and we need additional resources. What we're presented with right now is not enough, but I will not stop talking about it until politicians hear me clearly. Yeah, and you, sh- and you most definitely shouldn't. And I, I'm guessing, how can we help outside of the COVID-19 community. I know Body Politics has kind of like an ally support network. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, you can, we can start spreading information about long COVID. You know, we can start talking about it using the hashtag, you know, our uh, senators and our congressmen and women to, to consider uh, creating bills and laws for us. We need help now. We are in a devastating place and many of us are on the verge as the moratorium has been lifted. We're on the verge of being put out of our homes. So as much as possible, we need people to use the hashtag and to not be afraid to to speak about us and to rep us um, to, to any and everybody who will listen. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That was Shamir L. Smith, and she is the VP of Body Politics Support Group. Definitely go check it out and go support it. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Next up, how this bridesmaid participated in her friend's wedding without actually being there. We'll tell you what she did next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A lot of weddings have been delayed because of COVID or family members and friends can't go to a wedding because of COVID and restrictions. Well, there is now a solution. This London-based bridesmaid was beamed to her friend's wedding in Ontario. That's right. She appeared at her friend's wedding as a hologram. This is psychotic. Is it or is it brilliant and creative? No, just send me a, a I don't know, a video or something. Like, what? A like hologram? A VHS? This feels weird. It was, think back at Coachella when Tupac was on the, uh, they like basically bought him back from the dead and had a, a Tupac uh, hologram of him. I just feel like holograms are creepy. They don't ever go well. This is weird. I mean, I think they're more creepy when the person isn't there anymore. When someone's are still alive, maybe it makes it more cool. If she could spend all the money to do that, then why couldn't she just show up? Because of COVID nineteen restrictions. But and 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 so this is a Toronto based company because you do have the assumption that because we've seen it with maybe Princess Leia, we've seen it with Tupac and others. I guess Kim Kardashian, uh, Kanye did that with her dad for her birthday. And that was creepy. <laughs> was once again because. They're using the person's likeness and putting words and animating them. So they they haven't said those things, but this was a real person. So the company is based out of Toronto. It is called, uh, I'm looking up it right now. Um, Where did it go? The name of the company. And my thing is, wouldn't this like upstage the bride? It's called, well... Like, you're coming in as a hologram, which technically is kind of cool, but also weird. And you're like, now all attention is on you because, wait, somebody walks through you. It's not like they're saying, excuse me. Well, I don't think they're walking around the area. Basically, how it works, and it's from this company, ARHT Media. If you want to check it out, if you have some of these needs that you want to hire them for. But basically, the the bridesmaid appeared on uh, on a stage as a hologram. She, meanwhile, was on a green screen in London and was able to de- de- deliver her speech and do all this stuff. Obviously, and it, it was a stunt as a surprise. Like rich, rich. Yeah, you would say this isn't a low-key wedding. <laughs> That's for sure. So, oh, there's video footage. Would you want this at your wedding? If you couldn't get someone to appear at your wedding, would you want them as a hologram? I think no, it's cool. No, I just want it you to tell extra. me not to come. I just want you to tell me you're not coming. <laughs> like, th- thank you. I don't need you to do all of that. Like, this is this just feels, um, unless we're like in the year 3000, 
and like technology and there's flying cars and yeah, maybe then that's appropriate. But right now, living in 2021, where people are dying every day, <laughs> it just feels a little intense. I mean, why do it via Zoom when you could do it via hologram? That's so weird. So here's the thing, Ryan. Now that you've officially said and you don't live. want it. And it's live. It was a live. Yeah, it's live. live. This is like next level. Ryan, you know how much I, I love bothering you. I feel like you now- You will be there. Now I need to, I'm going to surprise you no. via hologram. Whether actually I'm going to, I'm not even going to be invited. Maybe you're ready. If I'm not invited, I'm going to end up there anyway via hologram. I'm canceling the whole wedding if anyone shows up hologram. Even though actually, if you think about it, no one has to eat. There you go. You so save that means money. everybody show up as holograms then because that means I don't have to pay as much money. That's great. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, more on ivermectin. Uh, that is the medicine that you've been hearing a lot about that people are taking, like Joe Rogan. It's supposed to be for horses and animals. Well, we're breaking it down. What it actually does, does it help with COVID-19? The FDA has not approved it. Anyway, we're breaking that down in 15 minutes. Plus, Demi Lovato slid into the DMs of an actress, we'll tell you who, in a moment in the T-Report. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy spoke out amid another COVID surge and a real and real evidence of a climate catastrophe. Maybe he's finally admitting to climate change. You can't put politics before people. And that's the decision. Our greatest threats going forward is the debt and China. And we've got to be prepared as one to do it. Now, Democrats are planning a new push to codify abortion rights protections into federal law after the Supreme Court allowed a Texas law banning most abortions to stand. But it's actually unclear how effective it will be, this effort. Uh, This is what House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had to say today in a statement. Upon our return, the House will bring up Congresswoman Judy Chu's Women's Health Protection Act to enshrine into law reproductive health care for all women across America. She also blasted the Supreme Court's five to four order as a cowardly dark of night decision to uphold a flagrantly unconstitutional assault on women's rights and health saying that the Texas law necessitates codifying Roe v. Wade. And finally, the stress of the pandemic combined with extensive time spent on social media seems to be resulting in Tourette's like ticks among Gen Z. Yes, this story is pretty wild. Doctors who specialize in studying and treating tick disorders like Tourette's syndrome have noticed a distinct rise in tick-related conditions that have set in suddenly um, in many young people across North America, Europe, and Australia. Though it's almost exclusively rising among young women. Some experts think the pandemic may play a significant role in having triggered the onset of many tick behaviors. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Demi Lovato um, slid into one of my favorite people off of uh, the hit show Shit's Creek. Um, and yes. I'm obsessed. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Yeah, so Emily Hampshire, she played Stevie on Shit's Creek, is dishing on the time Demi Lovato slid into her DMs. So she appeared on the latest episode of 4D with Demi Lovato and reflected on the funny story of how they first met. So here is the moment where Emily was like, so you slid into my DMs and you said, hey girl, I like you on the show. We should kick it sometime. Um, And then she was like, and then you said below it, 
And by kick it, I mean go on a date. I find you attractive. Oh. You made it clear it was a date. And I love that because I was like, sometimes that's confusing. I'm decades older than you. So kick it. I was looking it up, which I had no clue. Emily is 40 and Demi Lovato is 29. Emily, I'm telling you, does not look like she is 40. She looks so, so young. You know, the Canadian, young. Canadian water. 40 is very young. young. That's true. Yes, right? <laughs> um, the funny thing is, Demi accidentally kind of called her old. <laughs> she said, you also said, think, uh, think of Sarah Paulson and Holland Taylor. And then right after, you were like, I didn't mean you're, ho- you're the Holland Taylor. <laughs> Referring to the 78-year-old um, Holland Taylor's relationship with um, Sarah Paulson. You know, mm-hmm. they have a huge gap in their relationship. Yeah. Um, Emily was like, I thought it was the funniest thing in the whole world because I was a Holland Taylor in that situation. (laughs) She said, I was proud to be. Um, I wonder why they did not date. That's the big question. The thing was, she said that she she felt like they were so, they were like, they wouldn't have anything in common because she's so much older. But I don't know. I thought that, I think that would have been really, really cute. Maybe Hampshire has a person, a partner. No, actually, uh, Hampshire, Oh my God. Emily, Emily just broke up with the, their partner. Not oh, too well, there you go. So, yeah, I think they were both single at the time. I don't know if Demi's single anymore, but um, that's your T report on that. Right now, I got to tell you all about Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency. It's returning to the park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. And Channel Q is going to send you. Just go to WeirdChannelQ.com for your chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the park MGM hotel round trip airfare for two plus $500 in spending cash. Do not miss out on this. It's going to be pretty amazing. Just head over to WeirdChannelQ.com. Tickets are on sale if you don't win, of course, at Ticketmaster.com. Now, what is ivermectin and why are people taking it when it's not approved by the FDA but they won't take the vaccine? We get into that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Health departments are warning of spikes in ivermectin poisoning and hospitalizations as people are using this treatment that's for animals on themselves as a cure for COVID. And now joining us is Dr. Amish Dalja, an infectious diseases expert. Thanks for being here for this. Sure. Thanks for having me. So this is becoming a very popular and now popularized by someone like Joe Rogan. What are your thoughts as an expert and a doctor, is this dangerous dangerous and concerning? It is dangerous and concerning. Ivermectin is a drug that, that's well established. We use it for certain parasitic diseases in humans, and it's used for veterinary uses. The, the discovery led to a Nobel Prize, so it's a legitimate drug. Okay. And there were people early on that had seen some in vitro activity, meaning in a laboratory setting, in a Petri dish type of setting, of the drug against the virus, and that's what led to interest in it. However, we've there's been several trials done, lots of analysis, and we haven't seen any conclusive evidence that it's beneficial for the treatment or the prevention of COVID-19, but that's not really stopped people from, from using it or prescribing it or trying to, to get a hold of it, and I think it's risen to a level now that it's more of a political crusade than actually a medical treatment. Hmm. Uh, you can say that again. I, I want to know what happens if someone uses this and it goes wrong. Well, they could, they may have side effects. So nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. They could have uh, abnormalities with their liver. They can have lots of things go wrong, especially when they're using the veterinary dose. So they might not be able to get the human dose because no doctor might or doctor might not prescribe them. But they can get a hold of the veterinary 
uh, dosage of it, which might be bigger, which might be, you know, a, a, just a different type of, of load of that ivermectin that could lead to these side effects. And that's why we've seen five times as many, you know, we've seen it kind of a spike in po- poison, poison center calls five times the baseline when it comes to ivermectin because there's so much use. But the bigger danger to me is that people think maybe I don't need to get the vaccine because I've got ivermectin in my medicine cabinet, or maybe I'm, I'm sick. Someone gave me ivermectin. I'm not going to go to the doctor because I'm going to see, I'm going to wait for this ivermectin to kick in. That's another danger. Yeah, definitely. And already there's a, a disconnect in terms of the narrative and marketing of the vaccine so with this, does this add another layer of misinformation or confusion? It, it definitely does. This is very similar to the hydroxychloroquine story where there was a lot of political hype for treatment before there was actually evidence of the benefit. And I think it, you know, none of us want, it's not as if people wanted ivermectin to fail. It's just we have not seen any good data that, that, it's, that it's beneficial. And there are a couple of clinical trials finishing up that <clears throat> may give us a definitive answer. But what we want is evidence-based treatments. We want things that are supported by science, and we want to give people the best advice we can when it comes to COVID-19. And this type of discussion over ivermectin, where you have senators touting it, where you've got prisons giving people ivermectin instead of the vaccine, all of that has made it very hard. And, And there's now these people who think that this is a conspiracy theory against ivermectin, and it's not. This is a this is just advocacy of science and in the scientific method, and ivermectin hasn't been able to meet that muster. Wait, so I guess I'm confused on how people are even getting it, especially if it's meant for something like animals. How, how can people get it? They're not just going to their doctors, right, I'm assuming? They can get veterinary. Veterinary doses are available pretty readily, and you can get them on the Internet. There are doctors that are prescribing it. Remember, iver, even though ivermectin is used for veterinary medicine. It's also used in human medicine. We, we use it for diseases like scabies or river blindness or uh, certain parasitic infections. But that's the, the, the human version of the drug. There's also a veterinary version, which is much easier for people to get, get their hands on. Wow. So how do you think uh, the medical industry is going to deal with this? Because I think there's, yeah, there's this feeling like you're keeping it away from us and now you're pushing the COVID vaccine because people are making money off of it. And then I think it's also interesting in this that there's a question of FDA approval of the vaccine. And that was an excuse of why people didn't get the vaccine. But yes, yet this isn't approved and people are trusting that. (laughs) So it's very right. There's no approval for ivermectin for the use in COVID-19. It is approved for certain other uses, which allows it to be used off label. Just like many drugs are are, are approved for one thing can be used off label for another. That's how hydroxychloroquine became an issue because it was approved for the treatment of lupus, for example. Mm. But I, I think it's going to be some time before we're able to, to really dampen this enthusiasm in ivermectin. And I think the, the professional organizations like the AMA, as well as the regulatory agencies, have really been pretty clear that there is no evidence. And there is one British trial that's still ongoing called the principal trial that may give, give us a more definitive idea of whether or not there is any benefit. Because What's happened is the evidence that people point to is often very low quality with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of bias in it. So we need a definitive clinical trial, I think, to put this to rest the way we did with hydroxychloroquine. And I think that's likely what will will come from the British trial. All right. Well, there you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was Dr. Amash Adalja. Finally, we've got the answers. Everything you need to know about Ivermectin. I mean, he didn't say nothing that I didn't know already. I'm just Don't saying. take that stuff. 
Next up, how San Francisco is incentivizing people not to shoot each other. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So there's a new program being rolled out in San Francisco, and the hope is to decrease gun crime or even end it. Basically, the idea is to uh, pay folks $300 specifically, and, and they're choosing this boat, uh, folks in a very specific way. It's part of the Dream Keeper Fellowship. They're offering it to 10 people who can um, boost their monthly stipend by another 200 by taking off other achievements. Um, such as attending parole appointments or finding a job. So these are people that are on parole and they're trying to get incentivize them to not continue a life of crime by paying them. So this could be considered very controversial. Some folks might say, why should we pay criminals? And it's actually something that has been proposed in terms of getting people to sober up. And this was something that California wanted to do and Governor Gavin Newsom, and it hasn't necessarily been implemented, but what do you think about this? Could this be a solution? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I, I prefer this than, like, throwing folks back into jail and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, when if these are people who are kind of going through a parole situation, they're long cash because it's hard to find jobs because people don't hire folks who have been to jail or or who have been incarcerated. And so um, I think something like this is really interesting. But I will say, like, you know, paying people not to shoot is like the just the bare minimum. (laughs) But I also understand um, that this is just another kind of way of when we're kind of looking at um, restructuring uh, like the systems and and like not defunding systems, but like kind of restructuring them instead of throwing folks back into incarceration. This could be really interesting. Yeah, investing in communities in need, definitely. And it's actually n- not the first time this has come up. They're actually mir- mirroring a program that happened in Richmond in 2016 where it actually helped reduce gun homicide in the city by more than 50%. However, there were skeptics who said the sample size was too small to have been conclusive, and so it didn't continue, which is really unfortunate. And so the San Francisco mayor, London Breed, actually said it wasn't just like cash for criminals. He said in many cases, the common denominator is that these folks do not have any sort of income, as you said. And so part of what we're trying to do is make sure that money is not a barrier to turning your life around. I mean, that's it's still not a lot of money. So here's so, the like, thing. That's my thing yeah. with like programs like this, where it's just like it's not enough money to, especially in San Francisco. I, I can't even get probably a cheeseburger for that much. Like, and so it's it's one of those things where people it's not like that's paying their rent or taking care of their necessities. Well, it's an, that's why it's an incentive. It's like an extra. Like we're throwing you something. And and I think but it's still not doing. What is it incentivizing? Because at the end of the day, if they need it, if they need money, they can still go back and find you know non legitimate ways of making more money than that. Because they would probably take that if they're you know if they have no food on their table, if they're not taking care of the kids or something like that. Like people have real decisions to make in life, and I I sometimes feel like with these programs, it's like yes, this is like great, but then also like is it realistic that people would choose that? over going to make some quick money. Well, the quick money that might end up getting them back in jail. But it also will take care of their family. It's the, that's the, that's yeah, my that issue is the with reality. capitalism, right? Because in capitalism, we are all we all need money to survive. And unfortunately, these type of incentives are like really not helping anyone 
move to the next level or help them like succeed or help them come from the levels that they already are at. And so for me, it's just like, really, what's the point? I would understand why someone would go back and be like, no, screw that. I'm going to go do whatever I'm going to do on the streets and make some quick money because I can make a grand versus y'all telling me I'll, all I'm going to make is like, what, a max of $500? So you're like, let's negotiate here. <laughs> no, it's not negotiate. It's just like we need to come up with better systems that if you want to incentivize people, we'll help them actually get to the place where they can like make wages where they can actually live. Or set them up in places, have deals with companies to hire folks coming out. I mean, that would but be like incentivized. Them. Even if but you're that, hiring them, if you're paying them nothing, well, it doesn't matter. Well, no, yeah, you would have to pay them. I actually think there should be tax incentives for hiring incarcerated folks and making sure, obviously, they have minimums that they're paid for to take care of their lives. Um, it's interesting because there was, um, a, not a study, but the, a report done and that said the average charge to taxpayers for each prison inmate in state prisons was $33,274. That's per year. In the state of New York, $69,000. Alabama paid the least, $14,000. So if you just say even giving someone $1,000 a month, right, that is still so much less than what it, we would all pay if they end up back in prison. Even if you want to look at it in a practical way, we talk about capitalism, we could save money. Yeah. So there you go. Just a different way of looking at it. So let us know what you think. At LGT, at LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. Uh, but we'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. One of our favorite advice columns on Slate.com has a really great question. We thought we'd bring it up today because I wonder if it's something that you've experienced and what advice you have for this person. So... This person is an early 30s woman who has been dating her boyfriend, late 30s man, for almost a year. They have a great sex life. And they uh, something happened a little while ago, she said, that has been bothering her. She hadn't been to his place in a few weeks because of work and pandemic. When she got there, there was a condom wrapper on the living room floor by the couch. We hadn't been using condoms lately, but we did when we first started dating, so I know we had them around. She asked him about it, and he said that he had worn it to masturbate. Oh. oh. Am I allowed to say that? That's yeah. normal. Uh, but she's like, mm, okay, she's seen him do that before. He hasn't necessarily worn a condom. She goes, he, she brought it up exclusivity with him. He wants to be exclusive, but she still has it in her. Like, she's not sure if she should trust this guy. What do you think? She doesn't want to accuse him of anything, but what should she do? I, I wish there was more context. Like, did she, like, you know, has... Has there been suspicions before in in the past? Um, I don't know. I it's it's pretty common for like guys to do that. Like I've heard, there's so many guys that I know that have like masturbated with condoms. Like that's a normal. I th- I feel like that's a normal thing. I think it's specifically more so normal when you're like growing up. I don't know if he's like going through puberty right now. <laughs> Um, and that's, you know, um, but I, I I don't know who does it. Like, I don't know any grown men who do it. I, yeah, I don't know. But I do, I've never experienced I, I do this. know there have been men that have done it. I know, but mm, I feel like you get to know someone. After a year, guys. you get to know habits. No, but straight guys, I know who have done it because they don't like it, the, everything. They don't want to go over. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I get it. And maybe if you went in your living room. But I feel like you haven't seen someone in a few weeks. You haven't been to some... To their place and you find that's the thing you find very questionable i don't know is it it is so 
I think it is. It would I be I would be very suspicious. And it's hard because you want to trust someone. And even if they look you in the eyes, I want to be with you. I love yeah. you. I don't know. So Does that wh- mean you should be with them? If you're feeling like you can't even Sometimes believe it's it. your own stuff to get over. Yeah. But for me... I mean, when if condoms aren't a thing, but in the relationship, but you know they're still there, and they don't—I don't, I don't well, know. Should condoms be a thing. In the I think at the beginning, until you've had a decision to be maybe exclusive, or you're practicing safe sex of some sort. I think so, you should wear condoms all the time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> if you're a monogamous, I mean, there's very a lot of reasons to wear and not wear. Anyway, no, because even here's the thing: even if it's you're in a monogamous monogamous relationship, if you feel that way. Then maybe you should still be wearing a condom in the relationship well, listen, if you think he's out to there cheating. Each their own. What you you know what you got to do, right? And I'm be safe saying. out there, whether it be for uh, your sexual health or because of babies. But you know this. Oh, I was gonna say this. I kind of got anxious once recently when I went back to my boyfriend's place after not being there for a week or so. Okay. I found some pieces of nail polish, like gel nail polish, chipped. Where on the table next to where I sleep. <gasps> Oh. And on the floor of the bathroom and of the main area in front of the bed. And I said to myself, well, I do. I chip my nails a lot. What woman was here chipping their nails? And I literally, like, I collected them and Ew. put them in a bag. Oh, my God. <laughs> to show him, to say, what is this? So what was it? And he he'd had a family over, which was true. He had showed me pictures and told me his friend and the family and the kids were staying in the room and they were doing a lot of nail polish to the point where he actually got the girl to text him. Where did they get the nail polish to show me? I was still a bit skeptical. <laughs> <gasps> All I'm anyway, hearing is cheer should not be I a relationship. I revealed a lot about my relationship on this episode. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously, I'm like... Well, listen, next up, the latest court decision. I don't think you can move past this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. Now, we typically wouldn't even mention this person on the show, let alone on our Yes Queen of the Day, but the story is uh, kind of ironic and funny. Uh, a private company in Colorado apparently denied Candace Owens, a far-right commentator and a fierce critic of vaccines, a COVID test. The company cited her disregard for the pandemic and its denial, which Owens has posted online along with her response. And people are loving the email exchange and are pointing out Owens' hypocrisy. And so basically, yeah, what happened is she went to this private company in Aspen. Uh, she wanted to get a COVID test. They denied it. The owner... Susanna went on to say that her company can't support anyone who has proactively worked to make this pandemic worse by spreading misinformation, politicizing and discouraging the wearing of masks and actively dissuading people from receiving life-saving vaccines. So good on this person for taking a stand against Candace Owens. However, if you, you do have a responsibility as a company and as people in the medical field. But- no, you don't because it's a third-party uh, thing. And if they're a third-party <laughs> private company, they can refuse anyone. Well, of and I'm they so can. happy they it's refused the- Candace Owens because she is... Um, awful and they gave basically said a big F you in the most proper beautiful way and shout out to Suzanne because honey I will love to buy you drinks anytime because you did what needed to be done and Candace Owens can 
go not find a COVID test. That does it for our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. <laughs> and our show today. We are back tomorrow, ending the week off here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be getting into how the Texas abortion ban could impact LGBTQ health care and, of course, so much more. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available. And search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering reparenting and trauma work. Ooh, juicy. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.